awesome to be in the congregation of believers for truth. And this series that we are kicking off today entitled Amen is taken from the book of John. So we're going to study throughout the next several weeks. This is an eight-week series, and we're going to look at many different things throughout the book of John where John wrote down his version of what he was he perceived Jesus to say and to teach. And how many wants to be more like Jesus? Amen? We should be want to be and desire to be more like Jesus. So as John wrote these words down that we're going to study, it's going to be his firsthand experience of this is what Jesus said and taught and lived. And we need some firsthand experience from Jesus. We need him to be actively involved in our life so that it's firsthand that it's not going off of what somebody else said, but it's coming straight from the words of Jesus, that it's, a, it's impacted my life, that it's affected my life, and I have changed because of what he said. And there's many of us in the room that are on that journey. We're, we're taking steps of faith and growth in Jesus Christ, and we're trying to become better people, and we're striving for that life that Jesus taught about. So as we look at the book of John, I want us to start this week in John chapter 1. We're going to look at John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, please turn over there in your New Testament. It's an epistle. Uh, John wrote about uh, this uh, as gospel narrative of Jesus' life. So John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 43 through 51. So if you get your Bibles flipped over to there, John chapter 1, verse 43 through 51. Uh, Leslie's going to have it on the screen. We can read it uh, on the screen here as we begin. So let's stand as we read these uh, few verses out of the book of John. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, how can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked Jesus. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all of heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this sermon series entitled Amen. And Lord, let us say just as the word amen means so be it lord that as we listen to your words and your scripture that john wrote down lord let it be impregnated in our hearts god that when we think about you and the things you said that we will say so be it god that we will agree with what your word says and lord we will do our absolute best to live it out and god that you would empower us by the holy spirit to do things that we didn't think possible lord that you're going to allow us to awaken the dreams within us god and the ministry that you have given us. And Lord, that you would awaken our hearts to see the world in the light that you see it. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. You can be seated. The word Amen means very simply, so be it. So whenever somebody in the church service speaks up and says, from time to time, I hear Ernie say, Amen, or maybe Aunt Mary says, Amen, from time to time, out, out loud during the message they're saying so be it or I agree so it's a good thing to agree with the word of God amen it's something we need to agree in. and this word has been uh, a part of the church for many generations there's I, I can just think back through the history of time and as I've studied church uh, history and thinking about some of the the greats uh, the great ministers throughout time of John Wesley and and all the many other ones that's just Charles Spurgeon and just the, the preachers throughout the generations. I can imagine the churches that they, they preached in and ministered in. And I can imagine the thunderous amens that's been uh, said in those congregations. And I thank God 
that his word is still being read and is still true today, even in our church here at Bethesda. How many can say that wasn't enough? There needs to be, but during this kind of sermon series with that kind of title, it's going to have to be better than that. So how many can say, there you go. We're good to go now. So as we look at this scripture, this text today, uh, if we read, that was the New Living Translation that we read from for the story this morning. And in the the King James Version, it's very, uh, uh, the words are a little bit different in the, in the King James Version because the, it was written between 1603 and 1611. They went back and done a study of the original text and converted it into English language so that people the, could read the Bible in the language they spoke. So the New Living Translation is a translation written into our language of the day, the way we speak. So if you're looking at the New Living Translation, but in the King James Version, back from 1611, the king uh, there, James, uh, ordered these people, 50-some people, to uh, manuscript and write through and, and write all these words down in English. And the word in 51, the words that uh, as Jesus was speaking back to Nathaniel, he said, verily, 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 verily. And it was a word in the, in the English language back in the 1600s. Whenever somebody said these words, it was kind of like uh, if you uh, uh, would hear the word in, a, in, a, uh, in the government. They would say, hear ye, hear ye. That it's it's a, a double placement of the same word to create a, a, a place where the people are going to listen. How many has a problem listening? Adrian, do you have a problem with your kids listening? How about that? That might be a better way to put it. Do, do they, okay, they don't have a problem listening. So you gotta, you got to speak up sometimes. You say, now listen to me. You get them, you know, listen to me. And then they'll listen, right? you gotta, you got to get their attention. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to listen. <laughs> I, I don't know how good a listener you are. I, don't, I really don't know. So Jesus understood this because Jesus he was there from the beginning, and as we read in John chapter 1, he's been around forever. Jesus was there before the beginning of the world. Jesus wasn't, his, his life didn't begin at the inception when the angel, angel announced it to Mary. Jesus was before the foundations of the world. Jesus has always been. He knows mankind better than mankind knows their self. Amen? So as uh, Jesus is here, he understands that humanity don't listen real well. He understands that his father come down and, and spoke with Adam after he was created out of the dust of the earth and, and Eve, he created Eve out of his rib and he told him, he said, now this is a garden, this is the perfect place and this is the place where humans need to exist. But there's only one thing, you can do anything here you want, but there's one thing you can't do. You can do it, but you shouldn't. One thing. Out of a million options, there's just one. And as he tells them this, they're like, okay, I don't know how long. There's no timeline in, in the Bible that says how long of a, a span this was before Adam and Eve crossed the great divide of doing what, what God told them not to do. So we don't understand or know how long it was in Adam's life that he was living in the Garden of Eden. We don't know if it's five days or... 500 years, we really don't know. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know either. <laughs> There's just some things in Scripture we don't know. But out of my reasoning and out of the way I look at life and look at humanity, I understand that it don't take people too long to mess up. <laughs> There's one amen <laughs> out of the crowd this morning. There should be more than that. It don't take long for humanity to mess some things up. So you try to get something started, go out and, and try to do something good and, and get a good thing going and get a little bit of wind at your back and try to do the right thing for the right reason at the right time and, and people's joining in and you're, you're going forward and then all of a sudden in the midst of a good thing happening, what happens? Something gets in the middle of the mix and one bad apple can run the whole bunch, the whole basket, the whole barrel. I would say it would run the whole orchard <laughs> from the experiences I've had in life. How about you? There's, there's things in life that, that it messes up, and humanity messes things up. So as, as we're seeing this, that, that back in the Garden of Eden, Jesus knows that it didn't take humanity long to mess up. I'd say it wasn't just a couple of days, if I was guessing, that between Adam and Eve 
of God saying, "Now you don't don't go don't go eat that apple. It's going to mess everything up. You're going to you're you're going to lose your perfection. Don't go eat of the knowledge of the tree and good and evil. Don't do it. It's going to mess up. Look at your neighbor and say, "Don't do it." God said not to. How many knows if God know, tells you not to do it, He probably knows best. If He's the one that created all this and He's giving you an insight and saying, Here, "Here's the secret. Don't do that." It's probably a good thing to not do that. <laughs> but Adam and Eve, they go over and wander around. And I can just imagine them tiptoeing through the tulips. Woo, it's wonderful. Don't have to till no garden. Don't have to do any work. How many would like that kind of life? Not even have to work or anything. Just the, the trees would just bear fruit and you would eat and the animals and you'd just do whatever you wanted. It was just like a steak every day for free. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, life today, you get a steak every now and then because you work real hard and save up and go get you a steak, good steak meal, right? A man's steak, as Lana calls it. So as this is happening, they was going through the garden, and they come across this tree, knowledge of good and evil. And as they stood there, and I could just imagine them pondering. I don't even really know what the word ponder means. I think it means to think about be my best description so as they're pondering or thinking about this tree and looking at it it's like it's enticing it had to have been something the bible you know most people throughout to sunday school classes and everything else they they paint the picture that it was an apple there's nothing in scripture that teaches it's an apple i don't i don't know what the the uh, fruit was of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they partook of i don't know what that was it don't say in scripture so they're standing there looking at this tree, and it's like, that looks like that would be good. How many ever had these kind of moments in your life where that you're looking at something, and you're pondering about something, and you're thinking about something, and you think, man, that looks good. And it's like, man, I would really like to do that. But the minute you, you partake of it, it's like the instant that, that you partake of it, you can still hear that still small voice in the back of your head saying, don't. Don't do that. You're messing up. <laughs> Wait just a minute. Don't go there. And we, we ignore that voice, and we, we go and we go ahead and do it, and the minute we partake of it, it's like we, it loses all of its luster. It's, there's no more grandeur with it. It's, it's like it just automatically becomes something, and it, it, what was meant and you would think would taste good, all of a sudden it tastes real bad. That's what Adam and Eve did here. They partook of that fruit, and when they did, instantly, they looked around, they said, man, we're naked. We're naked. In a perfect world, apparently people's naked. I don't know. <laughs> That's what the scripture said, wasn't it? They didn't know. They're walking around and they're naked. They, oh no, we're naked. So they they sewed herself big leaves together and they made herself these little belts and these little girdles. And they're like, oh no, God, we can't come out and see you. We're naked. Can I tell you today that the minute, the initial point in your life where that you ponder and think about and look about and look to something, and Jesus is whispering those verily, verily, I say unto you in the back of your mind, His Holy Spirit is working on you and saying, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't eat of this because it's going to bring you harm. And we ignore that voice and we partake anyway. We're going to try to feel, we're going to feel shame instantly. Sin brings on shame. Adam and Eve were ashamed of their nakedness. They had never known that shame. They had never experienced that shame in the perfect world they was living in. But because of what they did, the sin against God, that he told them, don't do this. One thing, don't do it. They did it anyway, and now they've got shame. I can imagine when God comes down in the cool of the day, and he calls out, Adam and Eve, where are you at? I've come down to walk with you today. I do this every day. We've been through this repetition before. And the initial thing, when God says, where are you? He already knows. When you're not there to meet him, he knows you've done something wrong. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your life better than you know your own life. And as God whispers those words, where are you? And Adam and Eve says, 
we can't come out, we can't talk to you because we're naked. And God said, well, who told you you was naked? There's somebody that tells you those things in your life that tries to bring shame on your life. And you know who it was that told Adam and Eve they was naked? It was Satan himself, the deceiver, the great one that, that manipulated God's perfect plan and made it into something awful. He, he twisted, he perverts, he, 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 he uh, manipulates. He, he's one that just uh, causes good things to turn bad. He makes a good apple turn sour. It, the, the fall of mankind brought on a curse on, on the earth that the, the world is still being a part of. That's, I believe back in the perfect state of the Garden of Eden that there was a place of perfection that apples didn't rot. But because of the sin of mankind, it brought on a, a decay, if it is the word to say, I suppose. A decay upon humanity, upon the world, that everything decays. So today I want us to see that as Jesus is teaching these principles and he's talking this way and he says, verily, verily, he's trying to get your attention. So as we read through the book of, of John, the gospel of John, as we look at when Jesus says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, or listen to me, this is truth, it's time to listen up. Apparently this is a good part of the scripture. Apparently this is a good part of the story as John's writing this down. And because John wrote it down as in verily, verily, or hear ye, hear ye. How many knows the words in red in the New Testament when Jesus is speaking and he says, listen up, listen up. It's time to listen up. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. Here that may be going through a situation in your life. You may be dealing with a, 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 you're at a crossroads and it feels like you're at a, a point in your life where that you're, you're making a decision here in a short period. And that decision is going is to have a lasting effect on the remainder of your life. And you know it, you can sense it, you can feel it, that things are changing, that it's a shifting point, that something's happening in the background and you can feel like, man, I've got to make a decision. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you that Jesus is still speaking. He didn't quit speaking 2,000 years ago. His voice is still ringing through the foundations of the earth today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to the church saying, wake up, wake up. The end is near. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. The Spirit is whispering and speaking to the church and asking the church, make the right decisions in the right moments because time is, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of uh, ability to make up a lot of things. That, there, that there's something happening. A shift is happening on this earth. Can you feel it? In Romans it says, awaken out of slumber. You, you that, are, that are slumbering, awaken out of your sleep. The church needs to wake up. It's not a lullaby that we're in. The devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to kill our kids. He's out to kill our society. He's out to kill our community. He wants your neighbors, your friends, and your relatives strung out on dope. He wants to do everything he can to manipulate and do away with the humanity in the perfect, the perfect state that God intends for us to live in. He's got an objective. If the devil's got a plan, do you? Does God have a plan for your life? Do you know what that plan is? If you don't, it's time to hit your knees and cry out to God and say, God, please let me know why I'm here. I feel like I'm a lost ball in high weeds and I don't understand my life. I can't get a picture of what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm lost right now, God. And God's saying, you're not lost. I know exactly where you are. I know you better than you know yourself. And the words that I'm speaking to you, they are truth. Hear ye, hear ye today. Church of Bethesda, Jesus is speaking to our body. And Jesus is calling us to a place of repentance. And I really believe out of this scripture that we read this morning, Whereas Jesus is going around and he's talking to his, his disciples and he's, he's calling them out and he's speaking into their hearts and he's speaking into their souls. 
that there was something longing on the inside of them that they desired more of God. They were sick of life as usual. They were sick of the normal reality of life is a mess and my life is an absolute in turmoil and I'm sick of living like I'm living. These young people, as Jesus would walk up to them, he would say, hey, come follow me. He would take them by the hand and he would get them up and he would ask them to follow him. It was very simple. I love this kid. This is Rosa. She's my God sister. I don't even know what God sisters are, but I love you anyway, Rosa. <laughs> she was appointed as my God sister. Whatever that is, I love you. Follow Jesus. And it's the best life you'll ever have in life. The decisions you're making. Your life is on the line. And when you hear that voice, and you can hear Dusty's voice preaching to you in those moments of pain, listen. Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Jesus would call these young people and say, come follow me. They didn't say, no, I want to live life as normal. I want to keep on living in this junk bed that I'm living in. I, I just want to keep on having nothing, doing nothing, and actually obtaining nothing and feel like I'm worth nothing. These young people that Jesus, when he would call on them, they would jump up and run. They'd say, I'll follow you. I'll follow you forever because you have words and they speak to something on the inside of me. They encourage me at a level that I've not been encouraged before. And as Nathan was there, I can imagine him under this fig tree. You know what he was doing under the fig tree? I have no idea. All I know is the stories that Jesus was watching him. That's what I know. Jesus was watching him. And the Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to the brokenhearted. To those that are broken, that feels like there's no purpose, there's no hope, there's no plan. To those that feels like there's no way out of this situation I'm in. I've got myself in a mess and there's no way out. Jesus is near to those kind of people. I don't know what Nathan, Nathaniel was going through. I'll call him Nathan. I don't know what he was going through, but I guarantee you he was in a pickle. He was in a position of his life where he was under that fig tree, and he wasn't under that fig tree scribing down things of, of a ten-point plan to get him out of a mess. He was under that fig tree looking up to heaven and saying, God, I know the God of Israel is real. I know you're out there, and it don't feel like you're close to me right now, but God, come and help me. Help me. Where are you, God? And he's beckoning that call. I can imagine Jesus looking and seeing him there. And Jesus just a few miles away. Just a few miles away. Preaching messages in the nation of Israel. Philip comes up to Nathan and says, Nathan. Nathan. I found him. Come on. I found him. This is my other God sister. She's self-appointed. She tells me she loves me all the time. How many knows God's got a plan for young people especially? And Philip looks at him and says, Nathan, I found the Messiah. I found the one we've been looking for, that our hearts have been yearning for. And he's over here preaching, will you come and listen to me? There's times in your life, child, that you can't hear God for yourself. Man, there's times where you say, I can't hear you, God. That's when you have to depend on somebody else to call you when you're in pain. That's where you need to ask for help. God is a very personal God, but sometimes he works through people. one amen in a crowd of a bunch of adults when I'm trying to inspire this young teenager to live a godly life. I'm telling you, God works through people. How do you get up there? And some of her brokenness 
can you do for someone? I've been there and I've heard Jesus. He's got truth. He's got a purpose for your life, Mary. Will you give her a big hug for me? Wow. I don't know what your plan is with your life. But it's things you feel on the inside is real. God is real. And the love that you know that there's a couple out there that's for you, that's real. You've been broken by some people. That love is real. There's been people hurt you. You've had boyfriends hurt you. That wasn't real love. That's real. When they speak those words, hear you from the Lord and your soul. Go give this to somebody. Make a big hug for them. Why are you looking at me and smiling? Look at them and smile. <laughs> you can be seated. And when Nathan comes running up and he's, he's there and he, he, Philip has told him about Jesus and he comes running up and he's like, yes, 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 I can't wait. I feel something on the inside of me. There's an urgency in the moment that I'm not going to stay under the fig tree and worry and be a worry ward about what all's going to go wrong. I'm going to go. When somebody says that God is over here, guess where I'm going to run to? I'm going to run to God. I'm not going to run away from God. I'm not going to sit back under the fig tree and try to figure out my own mess. I'm going to go to where God is. Amen. Where God can be heard, where God can be felt, where God can be sensed, that I can feel the presence of God. And I'm telling you, as Bethesda, we need to be a place where that people are hurting and sitting under fig trees, that somebody will go out into the highways and byways of, of the town of Vanceburg, that somebody would go into community and say, I've been to a place and I felt something on the inside of me, something that gives me a boost. There's a charge. There's something happens inside of those walls. And I don't understand it, but I can tell you that God is in it. Is there anybody here that knows somebody sitting under a fig tree somewhere and you're not worried about yourself when you're hearing Jesus speak, but you're worrying about them right now? I'm telling you, God has placed them on your mind. It's time to go and find those hurting people, broken, busted, and disgusted, and say, come to the house of the Lord. I don't want you to invite them to come and hear Pastor Ben. Don't invite them to come and, and hear Sister Leslie sing. Invite them to come and experience Jesus. Because Pastor Ben is not the answer. Leslie's singing is not the answer. Dusty's announcements is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. He, bro he heals broken. He binds up the brokenhearted. He, he deals with our wounds and he, he bandages us. And he, he makes us into what we're created to be. Find the Nathans, somebody here. I'm praying that God would ignite a fire on the church once again that says there's a broken society, there's a broken community, and somebody needs to come and find Nathan because he's under a tree hurting, and nobody cares he's there by himself. But Jesus is watching. And if you think God can't deal with it, I'm telling you, God can heal anything. He can deal with any kind of mess. It don't matter if it's, it's a pot smoker or a, a drunk, an alcoholic, or a, somebody strung out on pills. I'm telling you, my God is able. He's able to deliver. He's able to set free. He's able to bind up the brokenhearted today. Today is the day. Verily, verily, hear ye, hear ye. God is alive. And he's here today. He's here today. And some of us has been sitting back in church and saying, you know what, I don't experience God anymore. I don't feel God anymore. I don't pray like I used to. I don't study like I used to. 
I don't meet up with other believers and, and, and encourage other people like I used to. I'm here to declare to you today, God didn't leave you. You left God. He spoke in this words that we have here in this book that said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never, never. Jesus will never leave us. Never. He don't never leave us. But there's times where he gets to a point and he says, you know what, I'm walking with you, I'm talking with you, and whenever you decide to step out of your, of your moment of place of perfection of the plan Jesus has for your life and you step away from him and say, Jesus, just stay right here for a minute. I'm going to go out here and wallow around in my sin. I'm going to go do what I want to do, Jesus. You just stay over there. He don't leave us, we leave him. We walk away from him. The one with the answer. The true speaker. The one that made, that took our broken hearts and made us feel new again. But there's a scripture that says that God is married to the backslider. It don't matter how big or slippery of a slide you've been on, I'm telling you that God is married to you. And he's not going to give up. All he's saying is, I'm staying right here, and I'm right where you left me. Just come back. Come back. So if it feels like you haven't experienced God for a while, I'm telling you this morning that God is saying, just come back. I didn't leave you. You left me. If you don't pray like you used to, I didn't make you. You quit praying on your own. Just start praying again. And as pastors, sometimes in, 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 in this past year, there's been a lot of things happen in our life and, and different things this past couple years. There's been a, a lot of things happen, and there's p times and seasons that I'll go through, and it seems like I don't pray as much as I used to, Ernie. I'm speaking to you as your pastor today. There's times where I don't pray like I should. But here recently, I can feel an urgency Something happening on the underground, Ernie. And I can, I'll be driving up the road on the way to work. And I can feel God rising up on the inside of me. And I'm calling out your guys' name. I'm praying for you. I'm seeking God for you because God is stirring something on the inside of me. And I know that it wasn't him that caused me to quit praying. It was myself and my own laziness. But it's time to pray. Prayer will birth a lot of things. And when Nathan got to Jesus, he said, okay, how do I know you're who you say you are? And Jesus said, well, I'm just telling you, I am who I am. <laughs> you like it or lump it, that's how God is, right? He told Moses, Moses said, like, God, who's going? I'm going to go to Pharaoh. Who's, who am I going to tell him to send me? I am that I am has sent you. Jesus is the I am. And he's saying today, I am the I am. The I am. And as Nathan come up and he said, how do I know you are who you say you are? And Jesus said, well, I've seen you under that fig tree. I've seen your pain. I've seen your hurting. I've seen the thoughts that you've been thinking about, what you was done wrong when you was a child. I've seen some of the scars and the pain that has haunted you your whole life. I've seen those things, and I know exactly where you're at. And as Jesus spoke to him, he's like, wow, you are the Son of God. You are. I'm telling you, whenever you start bragging on God, great things happen. Amen. I'm telling you, church, the minute we start bragging on God and saying, look what the Lord has done. Look where he's brought me from. Look what he's done in my life. I can tell you as your pastor, I was a, a sin-filled, uh, possessed with all kinds of just evil thoughts and bad things would go through my mind and just pure evil, Dusty. But God transformed my life at an altar of prayer. He saved my soul. He made me new again. He made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a testimony of what God has done. He can take an alcoholic and make him your pastor. <laughs> God can change your life. And as, as, as Nathan said, he said, well, you are the son of God. And he starts bragging on God and, and on Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> and, and now that you're saying that, guess what? You're going to see a whole lot more. 
So I'm telling you, if you've given your life to God, if you've given your life to Jesus, and you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, and you're repentant, and you've got a godly sorrow about you, and you want your life to change, and maybe you've been baptized in water, you've been dunked, and you've took the plunge, and, and you're making steps towards God, I'm telling you, start bragging on what he's done. But look up to heaven and say, God, I thank you that you saved a sinner like me. I'm glad that you bought me, and you bought me by the blood of your cross. God, I'm glad. And as you start praising him and thanking him, I'm telling you, greater things will come to your family. Greater things will come to your community. Greater things will come to your church. Is there anybody in this room that's been set free by the blood of Jesus? Is there anybody here redeemed by the blood of Christ? I'm stirred today by this message. I'm stirred by this, this series because I want our church to be an amen church. That I believe in the word of God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe. I believe. I believe. Jesus said, you know that I know your pain. You know that I saw you under that fig tree. And you believe because of that. You believe because of that one little thing, that one little sentence changed your life. Wait till you see what I'm getting ready to do. Can I declare to you today, Bethesda, if you believe because of what God has already done, wait till you see what he's getting ready to do. How many has a family member that they're praying for? How many has somebody that they're thinking about right now and saying, when Pastor Ben talks about that fig tree, there's somebody ignited in your mind. And when you're thinking about that, I'm telling you right now, wait till you see what God is getting ready to do. It's not just what he has done, it's what he will do. That's the hope that we're living in at this moment. God is getting ready to change your life. Let's let you come play. We've got a lot more to say in the next seven weeks. A lot more to say. Hear ye, hear ye. God is on the move. Hear ye, hear ye. God is fixing to change some hurting people. And I'm not talking about in the way out, a pie in the sky mentality. I'm talking about near and close. Jesus is getting ready to fix some things in your life. And the same way I'm speaking over these next seven weeks, I believe in these next seven minutes, God is going to do some great things right here in this room. There's some people here that's hurting. You've got some family members that's sick. We're going to pray for miracles. I said we're going to pray for miracles. There's a couple people needing a miracle. I said we're going to pray for miracles. It's in our cardinal doctrines that we believe that our God is a healer. That he heals our physical bodies. Our spirit man can be healed. Our physical body can be healed. God can change our lives. And I believe, I believe right now that there's some people here that's of a broken spirit. And God is getting ready to turn some things around in your life. Today is the day. This is the service that you needed. Today is the day. Won't you stand? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Verily, verily, I say to you, God wants to be involved in your life. In the same way Philip went to Nathan and he told some hurting people that God can meet your needs. Your pastor is here today, and I'm speaking in that role of Philip, and I'm telling some broken people in this room today that God can heal your diseases. God can heal your hurts. God can make your life new today. All it takes is a surrender. All it takes is for you to get out from under that pity party that you've been in and stand up and say, God, I need you. God, I need you to change me today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes.
everybody here, bow your head, close your eyes. Is there anybody here today that would be willing to raise their hand and say, Pastor Ben, I feel like I've been sitting under that tree and I'm ready for God to change my life. I'm ready for the things that hurt me to be healed in this place today. Is there anybody here to just lift up your hand and say, I want to feel God move in my life. I'm ready for him to change me from the inside out. From the inside out, I want to be changed. I want to be touched by the presence of God. Anybody else? There's a couple more that needs to raise your hand right now. God is working on your heart. And you know when I said you've walked away from God a minute ago, you know that that's you. Is there anybody here that will lift your hand and say, that's me. And I felt God today and I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. Is there anybody that will lift your hand and say, I want to do the right thing. I want God to change me. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Quicken mortal bodies in this place today, God. God, God, that you would move. Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage those, Lord, that are afraid to take that first step. Lord, that the, that the enemy's trying to hold them back because he's knowing that he's getting ready to lose one of his best soldiers. Lord, I pray today, right now, God, that you would release those that are bound by addiction, that you would release those that's in this place that's bound in their mind, God, that their thoughts are, are far from you, God, and their, their mind causes them to wander away from you. God, I pray today that you would allow them to step out today and do the right thing. Thank you, Jesus. You're moving in this place. Lord, let us heart, let us let our hearts break for the things that yours breaks for. very clear in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, 13, and 14, that there is a spiritual gift to the body of Christ. And that spiritual gift is the utterance of tongues. And the Bible says that there is an interpretation to those tongues and that it will be an encouragement to the body. So there is to be an interpretation of the heavenly language that was spoken in this place. There's several people in this room that have that gift, and I'm asking you right now as pastor, step out. I'm encouraging you, use your gift to the body. If you have the gift of interpretation, I'm asking you as your pastor, step out and use your gift. God will give me the words to say if you don't. But our body needs encouraged right now. Speak out. believe that the Bible from the first page to the last page. Amen. This is my mama. And she has raised me to believe that the Bible is true. And I've been praying for several years now for the gifts of the Spirit to operate at Bethesda. There's many people in this room that has prayed for that. But I want to be done decently and in order according to what the Scripture teaches. You can be seated for just a moment. we'll, We'll get out of here just in a few minutes. This is the woman that I know when I was out running and drinking. That I was hurting. That I was running from who I was. And I was running from what I was called to do. This is the lady that prayed for me. On a nightly basis. And I want her to pray with our church today. I want her to lead us in prayer. That God would set us free from our past. Amen. That the past, the, the bondage that I see on the faces of some of the people in this room, I know how you struggle with your past. 
I'm ready for God to fix some things. And I pray this series will change us as a church, and it already has. That's the first time since 2013 that a tongue and interpretation has been done at our church. I'm ready for God to move. And I don't just want tongue and interpretations every Sunday. There's other ones. There's gifts of healing. There's gifts of words of wisdom. There's gifts of words of knowledge. There's all these other gifts. I want them to be present at Bethesda because that's what people need. Because when those gifts are enacted, the fruits will be, they will be born. The fruits of the Spirit. They're just as important as the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, happiness. How many likes all those? Long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control. I want all those too. I don't want the gifts without the fruit. I want them both to be combined. So, Mom, will you lead us in the And there's people, I, I want you to bow your head. And I want everybody to pray this. But if you're broken in this place today, I pray as you... Speak these words that she gives you to speak. That a refreshing, that a renewing will come over you in such a way that you've not felt for a long, long time. Today's the day your past is your past and your future becomes bright. Father, I come to you today and I declare today healing in this place not only in our bodies, Father God, but in our past. God, that you would heal the past. God, you would take away everything that has hindered us, Father. We rebuke the enemy right now. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to be here, that your Holy Spirit is welcome here, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that in this place you will declare healing in our lives in every area of our life, Father. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, mighty God. And Father, running come running today back to the father back to him come running everybody agrees with that prayer say amen I want you to look up to heaven right now and just says thank you God for setting me free thank you God for setting me free thank you for making me new God Awesome is our God.